Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, broadcasting from the Selmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is here, socially distancing from home, along with the About Mansfield news team. This is episode 69. We appreciate you being here today. And coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And don't forget the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to Stevens Garden and Grill. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. This week, the COVID-19 epidemic in Mansfield is reduced but stubborn. And the Mars helicopter flies. Early voting has begun in Mansfield. April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month, and reporter Stacey Main continues her month-long series of special reports. This week, we will be talking about our simplest cocktail yet to make. Find out more later in the episode. Alexa has our seven-day weather forecast, and Steve concludes his in-studio interview with Mansfield City Manager Joe Smolinski. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Paid political ad by the Von Wynn Jones campaign. Hello, I'm Von Wynn Jones. I came to the U.S. back in 1990 and have loved living here in Texas. And in 2018, I proudly became a U.S. citizen to better invest in my home. Serving in the State Guard and working as an EMT has taught me we face many challenges, and yet there are many ways we can work together to bring about positive change for everyone. So now I'm running for City Council in beautiful Mansfield, Texas, my home for the last 18 years. I'm Vaughn Wynne Jones. Come join us at HelpMansfieldThrive.org. That's HelpMansfieldThrive.org. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area, and when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years' experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction, a Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Did you know that Southwestern Adventist University is located right in our backyard? With a small, safe campus, SWAU provides a Christ-centered learning environment with hands-on experiences and dedicated professors. For a limited time, local freshmen enrolling for fall 2021 will receive a stackable $3,000 scholarship. Plan to become a detective, lawyer, or a police officer? Earn a degree in criminal justice at Southwestern Adventist University. Go to swau.edu to learn more. Hey Mansfield, did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. 
As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. Hi, this is Jason Perrin, Program Director of The Lot Downtown, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. The COVID-19 epidemic spread is reduced but remains stubborn here in Mansfield. Roving science reporter Dennis Webb has the update. Dennis? Thanks, Steve. On Monday, April 19th, Tarrant County reported that 7,223 Mansfieldians had caught the virus, 6,969 had recovered, and 136 had died from the virus since the start over a year ago. We had 53 new cases this past week, an increase over the week before, but still a low number compared to the earlier months this year. The county estimates we now have 254 active cases, a slight increase over the previous week. It appears that the recent weeks of up and down new cases means we are on a plateau in Mansfield, meaning the virus is still here and spreading. Mansfield ISD reports 25 active cases among students and four among staff similar to recent weeks, but still well below the numbers we saw in December and January. This past week, Tarrant County reported that 34% of Mansfield citizens had received at least one immunization, compared to 24% countywide. We had two new COVID-19 deaths in Mansfield this past week, suggesting the deaths from the January spike are finishing. A blessing, but still sad for those two Mansfield families. Looking at the countywide numbers, most of Tarrant County's epidemic indicators continue to improve. Good decrease in weekly fatalities, perhaps finally a steady downward trend. Countywide hospitalization with the virus has continued its steady decline with last week's average of 158 citizens in a hospital bed with the virus. A small increase over the previous week, but still a lower hospitalization than we have seen since last May. One concern in the county numbers, R sub T has remained at 1.01, up from a recent low of 0.73. What this one means. For every 100 people the county knows to be infected, they expect these 100 people to infect 101 other people, potentially a leading indicator of another wave. Tarrant County reports that 15% of all Tarrant County residents, and that's compared to that's everybody including kids who are not yet eligible, 15% of all Tarrant County residents have received their final immunization shot. This is progress. Our county judge, Glenn Whitley, encourages all citizens to register to get vaccinated. From the science desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Early voting has begun in Mansfield, Texas. It started on Monday, April 19th and runs through Tuesday, April 27th. Early voting times vary by day. You can vote at any of the early voting locations for your county. There are two voting locations in the city of Mansfield, the Mansfield Sub Courthouse and Vernon Newsom Stadium. You can find a sample ballot on the county website for your county. If you don't get it done via early voting, Election Day is Saturday, May 1st. Just a quick programming note, you can now listen to our city council and school board candidate interviews on the About Mansfield website at aboutmansfield.com. You'll find a link on the top of the homepage. This is your opportunity to get to know the candidates in 20-minute increments before you vote. April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and in this week's report, Stacey Main discusses how child advocates can help children succeed in foster care. Stacey? Hi, 
my name is Caitlin Dufflin. I'm the Director of Grants and Contracts at CASA of Tarrant County. We've heard a, a lot about how child abuse reporting has gone down, but that the severity of the cases you're seeing in child abuse have gone up. Can you talk a little bit about the numbers and why that might be? So we were concerned at CASA of Tarrant County and then other child welfare agencies in our community, and really the whole nation was worried about this. When COVID hit, we were worried that kids were going to be separated from a lot of the mandated reporters of child abuse, meaning that teachers, daycare workers, nurses, they're required to report if they're suspicious of child abuse. And when everyone went home to stay safe from COVID, uh, we're concerned that vulnerable kids wouldn't have the access to those people who are in charge of helping to keep them safe. And so we were, uh, we did see that some of the seasonal numbers of reports were, were down and, and then even removals of children being removed after an investigation because of child abuse, those stayed steady throughout the year kind of for seasonal averages. But what we saw, especially once kids started going back to school in the fall, in person or even virtual, but just the teacher able to see them in their home environment a little bit, we saw child abuse um, removals go up about 41%. And so once we had seen kids and had that contact, the reports are coming back in, increasing at a really high rate. And part of why we know from past recessions and past economic and even just natural disasters that whenever a family is going through a lot of stress and whenever there's a lot of isolation for families with a child abuse and neglect always goes up, just that stress on the family is really tough for, for all families. And some families are a little bit more vulnerable to that stress turning into abuse and neglect of children. You said that they went that the reporting went up as schools opened and I I bet they'll go up even more once family gatherings start to happen again. Yes, having aunts, uncles, grandparents, family friends be able to interact with families, we know that that's something that decreases abuse and neglect just because families can say something if they're concerned or they can report it. And so you're so right, we expect those to go up as families start to spend more time together as well. And we've seen the removal They've still been about 40% above seasonal averages this last spring, too. When we're talking about removals, a lot of times we automatically think foster care. But a lot of times those removals, the first people you guys try to, uh, not you guys, but CPS tries to go to are family members. Can you explain this a little bit? I love that question. One of the people we work with, Kevin Campbell, for working with families and engaged families, uh, he said that we really shouldn't call it foster care. Even we, we, you know, the idea of having it called family care or um, alternative care, even if they're not officially removed, sometimes maybe placed with family temporarily, um, and then CPS is always wanting to place with family, if at all possible, and as the first option, just because that's one less disruption for for kids, and they get to stay close to the people that they know and in familiar environments, and really ultimately once the abuse and neglect has been dealt with. Our goal is always to return kids home to their parents if we can. And if we can't do that, then it's to place with family. And then if that's not an option, then we look at adoption. Um, but yeah, most children are still placed with their family, even while they're in uh, foster care. What is a CASA and what else do they do? So CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. They are community volunteers 
from all walks of life who just care about kids and want to make sure that they have a voice in and out of the courtroom. So CASA volunteers get started by attending an information session where they learn more about it. And then they go through about 30 hours of training where we cover child welfare, child development, impact of trauma on kids, and then how to navigate legal system, how to work with family members, um, how to do educational advocacy with teachers and daycare centers, uh, medical advocacy, including mental health services. And so they have a lot of training and then they're assigned to either a child or a sibling group of kids who have been removed from their homes and placed in foster care. And by volunteering about 10 to 15 hours a month, uh, they help the children get their needs met while they're in care and while they're separated from a lot of the adult caregivers who would normally fill that role. The cost is provides that just temporarily. And so the cost of stays with kids, um, typically 12 to 18 months for the duration of their court case. But it's such a unique opportunity because you get to talk directly to the judges. You're in the courtroom um, sharing really important information that you gather on what's in the child's best interest. And so judges and lawyers, they don't get to see the kids, but the cost of volunteer because they see them the ones that have two contacts a month, then they can gather that important information, help judges decide should a child be returned to their parents, placed with relatives, or adopted. It's a really big decision, and uh, judges lean a lot on CASAs to gather that important information so that they can make most legally sound and what's in the best interest of the child. What are the benefits of a child in foster care having a CASA? So we know that a lot of um, CPS or foster care caseworkers, they have a lot on their plate. There's a lot that they're in charge of and they're trying to manage, and they do the best that they can. They, we love them. We work with them every day, um, but it's a lot. They have really high caseloads, and between the amount of work on them that takes away from some of the um, important but sometimes auxiliary needs of the kids, in addition to just lawyers and judges wanting more information about what's going on in child's life, um, CASAs were created in the 1970s just to provide that information to judges and through their advocacy, we can help um, kids get their needs met more easily. And so I mentioned earlier, we have educational advocacy. So about 25% of kids in foster care have some sort of disability or developmental delay. Um, and they're at much higher risk for learning disabilities, um, depression, anxiety. And even without the research that shows those diagnoses, we know just the impact that trauma can have on kids and their development. And so cost of volunteers are really really critical to help make sure that kids get the needed testing for schooling, that they get um, services to help with their special needs or to help with um, the mental health care, the trauma-informed care that they need in school and in their foster homes. Um, and in CASA volunteers, just by seeing children more often, we know that the presence of a CASA volunteer decreases um, the risk of child abuse and neglect for kids, at least in, in Texas. Um, just by the extra set of eyes and ears for the kid. And so ultimately, the volunteers' advocacy and the urgency that they add to cases. Um, in Tarrant County, at least, we see that on average, kids spend about six fewer months in foster care in Tarrant County if they have a CASA volunteer. Just the CASA, just adding urgency and making sure that things are moving along and happening for the kid. Um, and about 95, 94, 95% of the kids that we serve go to a permanent home when they're 
cases closed compared to only about 75% of Tarrant County kids who don't have a CASA. About 75% of those kids go to a permanent home and about 25% age out of foster care, meaning that they turn 18 without having found a permanent home. And so CASA volunteers really help find that that stability, um, that permanent home for kids, and just reduces the instability and uncertainty they feel by reducing the time they spend in foster care. Yeah, and when you say permanency, when they age out, um, that could that could be as dire as homelessness for that child. Yeah, yeah, we have a really rate of kids who, if they age out, they end up experiencing homelessness. There's an increased risk for um, criminality, and so about 50% of kids who age out of foster care uh, spend time in jail by the time they're 23. Um, they're also more likely to be victims of crime as well, and so there are a lot of really high risk for kids who age out of foster care. And overall, we've seen that kids in foster care have a life expectancy expectancy of 60 years, and that just highlights just all the stress that 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 puts on kids. And so finding that permanent home um, through being reunified with parents, placed with relatives or adopted, that's a really critical piece to add the stability that we as adults need in in our life to be healthy, but especially is critical for children to have as well. Can you tell me if I wanted to let people know how to become a CASA, what would I tell them? Absolutely. So I, the first thing I say is to go to our website, www.speakupforachild.org, or you can just Google CASA Tarrant County and we should pop up. Um, but we have information sessions once a week. They vary at different times and days throughout the month to try to accommodate um, everyone's schedule. And currently they're still virtual. And so it's over Zoom. But if you go to our website and go to our calendar, you'll see all the different information sessions we have planned that you can register for. And our information sessions are about an hour long, but our community engagement specialists will go over all that it looks like and how to become a CASA. And that first step is, is attending an information session. I was speaking with Caitlin Devon, Director of Grants and Contracts with CASA of Tarrant County, talking about how child advocates help children succeed in foster care. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Stacy Main. Roving science reporter Dennis Webb updates us on a helicopter milestone on Mars. On Monday, the prototype demonstration helicopter on Mars called Ingenuity took its first flight, a small hop to about three meters above the surface, hovering for 30 seconds and a safe touchdown. There will be more ambitious flights in the coming weeks. You can watch the video online, and Ingenuity took a picture of its shadow below it on the ground. This is a big deal as it is the first powered flight of a human-created aircraft somewhere other than in the Earth's atmosphere. This remarkable achievement has been likened to the Wright brothers' first powered flight and is another uniquely American achievement, this time by the engineers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, a collection of technical wizards, a few of whom I've had the pleasure to work with. Ingenuity carries a fragment of the original Wright brothers' aircraft. I recall visiting the National Air and Space Museum maybe 25 years ago, and they had a display of the reconstruction or the restoration process of the original Wright aircraft. The fabric that had covered the wings had deteriorated since 1903, and the airplane was being restored for display. The restorers saved the degraded fabric, a thing that happens in museums, and a small piece of this remnant rode to Mars on a little helicopter for its first flight on Mars. More to come. From the science desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's considered to be one of the easiest drinks to make, and Brian Certain is pouring one up right now in the cocktail of the week. 
Brian. This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Gimlet. And the Gimlet, like many of the other ones that we've talked about, have an interesting story concerning their creation. Although today it's enjoyed more for pleasure than for necessity, it was concocted by a doctor rather than a mixologist, and the drink was made as a way to administer medicine to the British Navy officers back in the 1800s. At a time when scurvy was rife upon ships, this combination of gin and citrus juice was thought to cure the ailment. Scurvy was rampant upon the British Navy vessels. Scurvy is a vitamin C deficiency characterized by anemia, fatigue, bruising, and bleeding. When citrus juice is available, it was treated as a gift from the gods, helping to bring back those at the brink of exhaustion back into a life into a relatively short time. The addition of gin was to lessen the sharp taste of the lime juice. And so the gimlet was born, named after the doctor who invented it, Rear Admiral Sir Thomas Desmond Gimlet, G-I-M-L-E-T-T-E, commonly shortened now to the gimlet, G-I-M-L-E-T. While the gimlet was good for officers, the sailors themselves only had access to rum, so it was used in place of gin. This blend was known as grog and was very popular beverage on the boats. The grog recipe is very similar to a daiquiri and may have been used as the inspiration behind this other classic cocktail. Although modern-day creations tend to use whatever lime juice the bartender has on hand, Rose's Lime Cordial is the official gimlet mixer, since it's the only available cordial for the sailors. Rose's was the first fruit cordial ever produced in 1867. It was patented just before a law that was passed that stated that all water vessels should carry the concentrate as an anti-scurvy precaution served as a daily ration. And as you can imagine, the law did wonders for their business. The classic gimlet is made up of two parts of gin, one part lime juice, but can also include the addition of soda if you wish, so with or without ice, depending on your preference. The vodka gimlet is also named since it replaces the gin with vodka. It's a great alternative if that's the spirit you have available or if that's what you prefer. This cocktail is very similar also to last week's cocktail, the mojito, just without the simple syrup. And if you think the traditional mojito is too sweet, this may be the drink for you. The Carby gimlet was created at the Carby Club in Italy and features the traditional recipe with the addition of sweet lined syrup and cold still water. So the next time you enjoy a gimlet, remember this drink was what's considered a modern miracle medicine that was prescribed to be consumed every day. So you don't have to feel bad about going back for a second or even a third. The world's most famous gimlet recipe debuted 60 years ago in 1953 in the British publication of Raymond Chandler's The Long Goodbye, a novel published in the U.S. in the following March. The book's protagonist is, of course, Philip Marlowe. Chandler was generally a whiskey man, and in completing his script for the Blue Dahlia, he taxed his body with an eight-day bourbon bender, which in turn tasked his soul for a month-long hangover. But in 1952, after the first draft of The Long Goodbye was already complete, the gimlet discovered the writer on an ocean liner and thus worked its way into literary history. No other drink has had such a significant presence for such a great performance of American fiction.
And another great work of fiction, one of my personal favorites, is from Stuart Woods and his protagonist, Stone Barrington. Stone is known as being a Knob Creek guy, but he always keeps a bottle of vodka, pours out the top third, fills that with Rose's lime juice, and keeps it in the freezer as a ready-made gimlet for his female guests. I learned about this cocktail many years ago, and to date, I still have a bottle of vodka with Rose's lime juice in my freezer at my personal residence. But now here comes the way to make your gimlet at home. But as always, don't worry about taking the notes as we don't know what you're doing, driving or exercising. But you can always go to bourbongospel.com and find the ingredients and the way to make this week's gimlet. So the ingredients, two and a half ounces of gin or vodka, one half ounce of lime juice, freshly squeezed, a half ounce of simple syrup. You're going to garnish with a lime wheel. To make it, you're going to add the gin or vodka, the lime juice and simple syrup to a shaker with ice, and shake for about 15 seconds until it's well chilled. General tip, shake until the shaker is so cold that your hand hurts. You're now going to strain that into a chilled cocktail or a rocks glass filled with fresh ice and then garnish with a lime wheel. This week's cocktail is built for you to enjoy. It's getting warmer outside. The gimlet makes a nice treat on a warm evening. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain says, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Friday is National Hairball Awareness Day. Perhaps a good day to take little Fluffy to the vet for a checkup. Let's see if you'll be driving with the windshield wipers on or not. Taking a look at the weather forecast for the next week, you may want to keep your umbrella packed for a couple of days this week. Thursday is going to be mostly cloudy, 69 degrees. No big deal with that. But it's Friday you want to keep your eye on. 75 degrees will be the high with a 95% chance of rain, including thunderstorms. Again, Maybe not a good day to take Fluffy to the vet. Saturday, partly cloudy, 80 degrees. Sunny skies on Sunday, 85 degrees. Partly cloudy on Monday with 85 degrees. And then Tuesday, the rain comes back again with just a 30% chance of rain, isolated thunderstorms, and a high of 86 degrees. According to the Tarrant Regional Water District, North Texas lawns received over a half inch of rain last week, and sprinklers can be turned off this week. A cold front will make for a chilly Wednesday morning, and tender vegetation may need to be protected. This month is a good month to replace landscape plants with native and adapted options that thrive in our soils and climate. You can always view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas at waterisawesome.com. Congratulations to Eric Peterson, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What was Highway 287 called prior to its name change in 1940? Eric knew that it was State Highway 34, and he has won a $25 gift card to Dirty Job Brewing. Coming up after the break, this week's trivia question of the week. This portion of the news was brought to you by Ohana Screen Printing. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Paid political ad by the Von Wynn-Jones campaign. Hello, my name is Von Wynn-Jones. 
I came to the US from the UK back in 1990. I've lived, worked and watched as things have changed here over the last 30 years. In the past few years, I started to hear the words, if you don't like it, go home, directed at myself and others. So I became a US citizen to better invest in what I feel is my home. Serving in the State Guard and working as an EMT taught me we face many challenges as a people, and yet there are many ways we can work together to bring about positive changes and usher in a new age of opportunity for everyone. So now, I'm running for City Council Place 4 in beautiful Mansfield, Texas, my home for the last 18 years. There's a lot of great things about this city, and yet there's still a lot more we can do to serve each other during these challenging times. So please, let's help each other make our community stronger. Come join us at helpmansfieldthrive.org. That's helpmansfieldthrive.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Vaughn jones and I'm not a cat. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great local shows, such as Ask Philip the face-off spot, and daughter of the other woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio from Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need the help from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 in Mansfield. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. That's podcastmansfield.com. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hey, business owners. Have you thought about growing your business through social media but don't know where to start? Never fear. I'm Sonia Salazar, and Wise Media Group is here offering coaching for do-it-yourself social media marketing, or we can do it for you. We have packages for every budget. Wise Media Group specializes in organic Facebook and Instagram growth. Let's get Mansfield businesses connected in 2021. Give us a call for a free 30-minute consultation at 817-913-2989. That's 817-913-2989. Or find us on social media at Wise Media Group. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Media Group on Facebook and Instagram. Wise Media Group, helping you make wise social media marketing decisions in 2021.
It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. This month, we reach deep into the prize closet, dust off a small stack of unclaimed gift cards. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Stevens Garden and Grill, located at 223 Depot Street in Historic Mansfield. They serve barbecue, fried catfish, the best burger in town, along with a full bar. Check them out on the web at stevensgardenandgrill.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, former Arizona Cardinals running back Stephon Lee Taylor played college football for Stanford University and became the university's all-time career leader in rushing yards and touchdowns. Prior to college, Taylor rushed for a high school career record of 4,792 yards and 67 touchdowns. This week's trivia question is, what high school did Stefan Taylor attend and what year did he graduate? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what high school did Stefan Taylor attend and what year did he graduate? Good luck. And thanks to Jan and John at Stevens for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo. As we make the transition from news to talk today, we present part two of my interview with Mansfield City Manager Joe Smolinski. We'll talk about decisions, what Mansfield will look like in the future, and of course, the lightning round. Enjoy. You've been city manager now almost seven months. You have taken the place of your predecessor, who was 36, 36 years. 36 years. That's right. Over the seven months, what's the most difficult decision you've had to make so far? Oh, gosh. Uh, gosh, you know, that's hard to... I, I need to think about that. Uh, I think that every decision that I've had to make had a had a little more weight to it than the decisions that I'd had to make mm -hmm. uh, in other positions. So when you say which one was most difficult, uh, it, it's tough to it's tough to say. It's tough to point that down, to pin that down. Uh, but I'm I'm very cognizant of the fact that the decisions I make impact a city of seventy five plus thousand people, right. uh, an organization with five hundred employees in it and their families. So I, I I try to try to consider each each option when a decision has to be made with all of those people in mind. And sometimes, but not always, sometimes those aren't uh, you know they so don't benefit you, everyone the same. Making decisions about the the homestead exemption and the and the property taxes, you're you're taking into consideration you know, seventy-five thousand people. Well, of of course, you know, and homestead exemptions uh, impact taxpayers differently, right? right? Homestead exemptions are specifically for those that live and own their own home. Uh, they do not homestead exemptions do not provide tax relief to uh, businesses mm -hmm. or multifamily people that live there or in, or are renting a home here in town. Uh, that's where a tax rate reduction would benefit them. And as you know, when we went through this this last budget, we had a, a homestead exemption and a two-cent tax rate reduction right. as well. Right. Tried to make sure that we could get everybody. The challenge in that is making sure that you can still provide city services that make Mansfield Mansfield, right? Right. And so, in taking the homestead exemption into consideration, you have to then weigh that, okay, how is that going to affect the city budget? And are we going to lose services as a result of giving homeowners a $50 a year discount. And 
that's a difficult decision. They are. They're difficult decisions. And I think those are areas in which we can do a better job educating our residents, our taxpayers, right? Sure. Uh, everyone, no one wants higher taxes. And when we get that, no one wants to pay the same taxes that they're paying. Uh, they'd like to see the, the increase in commercial activity in town pay off and have that sales tax be able to eat up a portion of uh, the money that it takes to run a city, therefore being able to reduce the tax rate. My job is to meet with the council and advise them uh, as to what what sort of priorities we think we have in terms of uh, maintaining services, fixing streets, providing additional services, those things that make Mansfield Mansfield mm-hmm. outside of the box, so to speak. And then when when they want to reduce taxes or that that discussion comes up and it does come up every year to say these are the these are the opportunity costs this is what we'd have to cut out of the budget or not be able to do as a result of that now we're very fortunate in that we're still growing so even a tax rate reduction isn't isn't taking money out of the budget it's getting less less new money, so to speak. Right. So, in, in that regard, we're very fortunate that we're still growing. But at some point, you will stop, and you need <laughs> right? right, and you need to make sure that what you have on the ground uh, creates a sustainable uh, city. Because there's only 25 percent left uh, growth in the in the city. That's correct. And so, all right, let's talk about growth in the city. I know that the the vision plan for Mansfield goes beyond five years, goes beyond ten years. Where they're looking out uh, when you are city manager in the year 2050, 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. What do you envision? That's a really aggressive. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really aggressive. Uh, Thought there, but okay. Okay. Yes. What What do you envision Mansfield looking like in in thirty years from now? Well, you know, ideally, we'd be a destination for people to come come shop. You know, uh, we'd be a destination for people to come uh, spend their spend their dollars here. Uh, even more importantly, we'd be we'd be that hometown everybody wanted to be in. We'd have an active downtown. We'd have some uh, lifestyle choices around town that people would would come to visit. Um, because every every one of those things brings in sales sales tax and stuff from other parts of the state, other parts of the of North Texas, right? Other parts of the metroplex, right? Uh, which eases the burden on our residents. Ideally, again, nerding out on you just a little bit. I'd like to make on that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'd like to color in those top layers as brightly as we possibly can, so people have a there's a richness uh, to their quality of life here. That's what I'd like to see. Now, what what exactly that means in terms of what those amenities are? Those change over time. You know, so thirty years from now, what are we going to be driving, or are we going to be driving at all? Right, right, right. So flying cars, uh, yeah, yeah, flying cars, or, or uh, you know, at the very least, driverless vehicles, right? So we're always looking at new technology and how we think. We're we're not building for today. We're we're looking decades down the road and saying, what what will our residents need and want at that point? So and so industry where. Mansfieldians can can work in Mansfield, and, and or not only that, work from home, which seems to be right now through during the pandemic, is uh, who uh, who can telecommute from home and 
which is actually becoming more productive because they're they're picking their own hours. Okay, I'm most productive in the afternoon, but you may be most productive in the morning. Mm-hmm. At three in the morning versus I'm starting to peak at about two or three in the afternoon. Sure. And everybody's getting their eight hours in, but they're doing it from home where they don't have to get into a car and, and drive for an hour uh, each way. And being able to to do that in the city that you that you live in is is a huge benefit to sure to the employer. Yeah, and there are a couple of things that I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there are a couple of things that we could talk about with regard to that. We just did a labor shed study. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone listening, labor shed really just means you know of the jobs that are available here in Texas or here in Mansfield who. Who comes to those jobs? And of the people that live here in Mansfield, where do they work? Where do they go? Uh, oddly enough, unfortunate, I think, is that 77 to 8% of Mansfield residents actually work in Mansfield. Everyone else goes somewhere else. Mm-hmm. The jobs that are available in Mansfield, someone we import people to those, to those jobs. I think that's an unhealthy balance, maybe. Uh, I'd, love, I'd love to see as we enter our new land plan, uh, the development of the new land plan, and our, our new strategy for economic development, that we, we consider that significantly in every decision that we make. Uh, you asked me what I, what I hope Mansfield looks like in 2050, right? I hope that this is a place where you can both live and work. Because right now there's an imbalance there. And play. And play, Definitely. obviously. And yeah. play. Those are the things that make those, – those are the signature type of services and the signature amenities we hope we have here. Uh, we want to be a city that is multi-generational, mm-hmm. right? I think one of our challenges right now is that new home value is about $400,000 in Mansfield right now. So – couple of things here. So when, when when children graduate from high school, you know, now that we have Texas Tech in town, we've got a little bit of an opportunity there. But right now we send our children away to fall in love with somewhere else, right? They go somewhere else to get educated. And then right out of college, I know right out of college, uh, you know, my, my children couldn't afford a $400,000 home. And uh, as unfortunate as it is, I think children nowadays, when they when they enter their own space, right? They assume right. they're going to pick up life right where their parents are. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, they want granite everything. They want to, <laughs> you know, they want their own swimming pool. They want stainless steel. And I think there there are options out there for them that are affordable. We just need to make sure we're providing a diverse uh, diverse housing options here in town, so our children can come back and bring that bring their our grandchildren with them, and we can all live in the same town. Uh, right now, I, I don't know that. We we have as healthy a balance as we need to for that, uh, in part because the jobs that that they're looking for aren't aren't necessarily here. Yeah. But we can do we can we can solve a lot of that with our economic development strategies and our land use plan. Shout out to Richard Nevins. Richard Nevins is amazing. He really is. Yeah, he's done a he's done a fantastic job. If it, after he'd taken over for Scott Wellmaker, uh, he's done a great job, and uh, I think he's looking forward to to making a shift uh, in the way that we recruit businesses and the type of businesses we recruit. And Amazon's coming to Mansfield. Amazon's here, man. I mean, yeah. if you go if you go out to the industrial area and look, uh, they've made some significant progress. They're moving very quickly. 
directly on that that site in uh, the Mansfield Industrial Park. In doing some research, again, on in this case, not on Joe Smolinski, but on a city manager. I actually Googled duties of a city manager, and governmentjobs.com came up. Okay. And so, so let's see if the, let's see if these uh, if you agree with these the qualifications for a city manager. Okay. At least five years' experience in local government. <laughs> at, at a minimum, sure. Okay. Bachelor's degree in poli sci business administration or public administration. I su- that applies to me. I certainly think that helps. Okay. A master's degree is preferred. I certainly think that helps. Must possess good character and integrity. I would hope that applies to me. Uh, and But yes, that is that is critical to being a good city manager. Strong planning skills. Critical. Customer-oriented. Critical. You have to remember who it is you serve here. Experience in community development. Critical. Able to manage a diverse team of subordinates and department heads. Absolutely critical. As you mentioned, we have almost 30 different departments, all of whom are a little bit different. You have some really creative folks in certain departments, then you have some very technical folks in others. And you, you, have, to, you have to gain their trust and respect and uh, understand what it is that they bring to the, to the community as well. So, yes. Yeah, you're working with marketing people who are creating videos that are, in fact, we're going to talk about a video here in a second, uh, that are very, there's the creative aspect of of the marketing department versus uh, the I forget his name but the gentleman who does the GIS maps Kelly close right and there's the techie side of, of not only him but the IT uh, who works at the council meetings and and wires the entire yep. Todd Williams Todd Williams yep. that that total I would assume Total polar opposite personalities, but equally as important to the city of Mansfield. I think you hit everything on the head there. Yes, they they are very different people with very different interests, and their careers alone tell you a little bit about them, right? Uh, but they're absolutely critical to the operation of a city. Yep. And I'll say the one thing that I think ties them all together is they all have a servant's heart. They know at the at the core, they have a core value of, of making sure that they they provide service. Uh, for our citizens and the businesses that choose to make their home here. Let's talk about that video that I I referred to. You have, uh, by way of the marketing department, Mm -hmm. you have been very... you have a presence in the community by way of video of sure. YouTube and and one of those videos shows a tremendous sense of humor that... Mm -hmm. that, uh, but it was your way of saying that the hol- uh, uh, hometown holidays was canceled. And you, if I recall, dressed up as Santa Claus and did a parody reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas. I didn't dress up as Santa Claus, but, uh, you know, I, I do have a beard and I'm not a skinny man. So I, I almost, uh, I don't appreciate the, <laughs> I can see where you got it, but I don't appreciate the. <laughs> oh, it's been, okay, it's been a few months since I, I've yeah, seen the I'm video, kidding. but. I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I was playing a Santa role, so to speak, yes. And if I recall, there was a point where you said, uh, this isn't going as well as I thought it was going to go or mm-hmm. something. And you, there, your mistakes were still left in the video. And I thought, you know, this, this shows the human side, really, of, of the city manager, that, that he's out there showing that he makes mistakes, too. But sure. And 
but that was your way of, of showing that, hey, you know, we're in a pandemic right now and we're we're postponing hometown holidays. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I think I, I hope it's always been my opinion that that being open and honest and at some time, at some point, even even vulnerable yeah. and, endears you to people. And it, it makes them see that it's OK for them to to feel that way as well. And uh, what we what we deal with on a daily basis is so serious. You know, if you think about uh, all of the calls that our, our paramedics make to someone's home on the worst day of their lives or police officers who put their lives on the line out on a highway in the middle of the night, think about the folks that are making sure that your drinking water is treated. And if it's not done correctly, you can make an entire city sick instantly. Right. Uh, you know, the things that we're dealing with on a daily basis are very serious. And if you don't allow yourself uh, the freedom uh, to, to be human in those decisions and, and in the application of those policies, then, you know, I think that, that, creates, for, that creates a very, uh, very stressful life. You're right. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the podcast was to Really, to prove to Mansfield residents that that uh, in addition to managing a city of seventy five thousand people, you are an ordinary Joe. You have a life outside of managing the city of Mansfield. That yeah. that's right. I mean, I, I I pick up dog poop in my backyard just like anybody <laughs> else does. You know, I uh, I just I just happen to occupy a role in the city. Yeah. Uh, that is the city manager. You know, and uh, we're we're doing everything we can to prepare folks that are already working for the city to fill that role at some point. Uh, you know, trying to surround myself with the smartest people I possibly can. Mm -hmm. uh, and I I think we're doing a good job at that. We've got some incredible bright people uh, at, at City Hall and in every other city facility uh, who really have adopted the, the city's culture and the values. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm very proud of them. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to even have the opportunity to represent them uh, in front of the city council and, and in the community. Joe Smolinski, what's your favorite ice cream? Oh, e easily chocolate. Yeah. Do you have a brand that no, just chocolate. Just chocolate. Yeah. And the the darker, richer the chocolate, the better? The better, yes. Okay. I'm going to give you a second here to, uh, this is called the shout-outs segment. Is there anybody that you would like to take a second and, and acknowledge? They don't have to be a city employee. They could be a family member. They could be anybody you want. It's shout-outs with Joe. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I would. I'd, okay. I'd like to... I'd like to thank my family. You know, I, I would give a shout out to my family. I think um, w without them, obviously, you're not who you're, you, you, you become who you are as a result of that. I've had a fantastic, fantastic childhood, fantastic parents. I've got a, my brother and sister are amazing people as well. My, my brother's a, uh, a assistant vice principal. Uh, my my sister works in the medical field, and I, I think we've all chosen partners uh, that are that are in similar fields. My wife's in the medical field. My brother's wife is also an educator, and uh, my sister's husband is he serves our country. Yes. Uh, my two my two boys are also in the service. So uh, I, I would I would 
credit my mom and dad with that. My, my dad was a service member. My mother uh, was either a homemaker at times or worked at, as a matter of fact, worked at the uh, assisted living facility right next to City Hall when I, when I was in high school. So uh, without them, I certainly wouldn't be where I am right now, and they're all fantastic people. So if I could, if I could shout out to anybody, it'd be them. Nice. You mentioned that your family is close. Are they all still here in the area? Yeah, yeah. My my sister still lives in Arlington with her family. Okay. Uh, my brother is in Flower Mound at the moment, close. but close enough. And he's got you know five year old twins, so uh, we see them quite quite frequently. My father just moved in with us, so uh, yeah, we're all very very close. Excellent. This we have reached the uh, we're, we're starting to to conclude our our time here on the podcast and this is the segment where the listeners actually really get to know Joe Smolinski. It's mm-hmm. called the lightning round. Let's do this. And it's a very very simple game of of this or that. Okay. And um, so when I say this or that, you simply. Uh, uh, Say what comes to mind. Let's do it. All right. As we start off very simple, night or day? Oh, day. Car or truck? Truck. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Paris or London? London. Burgers or tacos? Burgers. Ernie or Bert? Oh, Ernie. (laughs) Ernie. Samuel L. Jackson or Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman. What a voice, right? Well, that's the next one. Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones? Oh, I'll stay consistent on that one. Morgan Freeman. Urban or rural? Urban. Marvel or DC Comics? Marvel. And who's your favorite Marvel character? Oh, probably the Hulk. The Hulk? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is Iron Man. I, my my Iron son Man. has gotten us into watching the, the Marvel series of movies, and, mm. which normally I would, I would not do. But he sat us down and and he said, "Okay, these are the movies in chronological order of the way, not the way that, not at the order that they were made, but in the order that they should be viewed." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from the very first one, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. But again, not something that I would normally watch on TV. But after that first one, yeah, my wife and I went down the list, and we have completed the list. <laughs> but well, there you go. Marvel, uh, the Hulk. The Hulk. Why? Old school. We used to watch it with my dad when I was, was very young. So, Joe Smolinski, city manager for the past seven months of the city of Mansfield. I appreciate you being on About Mansfield. I appreciate you having me. Thank and you very much. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it is Mansfield News, Talk, and Information, plus an About Mansfield exclusive. We will reveal the lot downtown's spring-summer schedule right here when we talk with Program Director Jason Perrin. The show will be released on Wednesday, April 28th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast, if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free. And it's easy. Just to enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. 
About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacey Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. School Board Recap, Courtney Lackey Wilson. Home Improvement feature, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature, Brian Sarton. Sports, Tommy Cummings. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. <laughs>